Welcome to our community. This is Sarah Tovabeth, Parshas Chayasara. We are asking ourselves the following question. Um, in, in view of um, Avram Ravinu, Avram Bikwiko, of all of his chaychas, everything that he has to us, we want to know how and why. And um, that probably plays into what the Abraham Accords are all about. How is it? on a global level, that Avon Avinu can finally come to the point where he brings together, he begins to bring together all of his family, and he then is ready to send the Quintus Kaichas, his, his heritage, his spiritual heritage, and at that point even his money, to his son, and then to his son, and then to his son, and then to his son. So just um, to go back and quote for a minute what Rabbi Weisberg brought out, imagine this, Avon Avinu has the entire spiritual heritage. And then he puts it into a star, a document. He gives that to Eliezer, which we'll look into in a minute. And Eliezer then brings it to Yitzchak. And so the entire spiritual heritage is there. When Yitzchak, see, when Yitzchak chooses how to give it to his two sons, Esau and, and Yaakov, again, as we said in the other audio, Rivka intervenes and realizes that it has to take a detour. You cannot just give half to Esau and half to Yaakov. Well, really, the Gashmias, the physical blessings went to Esau and the spiritual blessings went to Yaakov, but a, a, an interesting interplay of the two. And so that ultimately, for the full blessing of Geula Shrema to happen, Esau and Yaakov will have to come together in a way of true peace, not fake peace, not polite peace, but true peace at the end of uh, the end of time, the end of days, which seems to be now. It doesn't mean it's the end, but the end of Gullah. But the but the heritage had to be diverted off to the side of Yaakov Avinu because Esau just didn't make himself into a proper vessel for such a very pure, very demanding spiritual heritage. And demanding it has been. You know, we're not about eat, drink, and be merry, eat whatever you want, go wherever you want, eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. Every every step of the way is another another halacha, another rule, another, you want to call it a restriction. Asa wasn't ready for that rigorous demand, um, the, the conditions of receiving the spiritual heritage of Avram Avinu were way too tough for Asa, and he said, Never mind. Thanks, but no thanks. He just didn't want it. Man, this is too heavy for me, man. You know, like, I don't know. Give it to somebody else. Can't do it. And Yaakov said yes. So, and again, now we're at a point where this whole interplay of the two is happening in the most miraculous way, and it's not a simple way that it's all happening, and that's what we see playing out in the political scene in the world, and especially the political scene in America. So, um, one of the things that we didn't bring out fully in the other audio is that, well, we'll, we'll see in a, an, another audio, Eliezer had to be a shliach. He could not, he could not be a shatan. He had to be a shliach in order to the, do this mission of bringing the heritage of Avram Avinu to his son Yitzchak. Only Ishliach could do it. 
which, for one thing, we need to realize who we are then. We are now being handed Avram Avinu's spiritual heritage. Our job is to pass the torch on down through the fifth, through the generations. The only way we can do it is as shluchim. That the if we are doing it as shluchim, as emissaries of Avram Avinu, who have no will of our own, we do it completely in union with him, then it's as if Avram Avinu is doing the work himself. When the Rebbe sends shluchim out to the world, it's not that he's sending people out to the world. He himself is going to all of those places in the world and opening the Chabad houses, but he's doing it in the guise of shluchim, other people, who are one with him. So it's as if he is there, and Rabbi Goldstein from Poway really told us a story last summer about how I think his father had been told that the Rebbe will find a way to wander around in the halls of the Chabad house, and you'll see that he's there. And at that moment, Rabbi Goldstein faced the absolute unbridled evil of the murderer that had the gun that opened fire right in his face, right in right in Rabbi Goldstein's face. Just pure hatred and pure evil in his eyes. He said, I've never seen evil. I've never encountered evil. He said, you can't even imagine what it's like to see for that split second pure evil facing you. But at that moment, when it was, when all this was happening, or maybe I think he shot a miracle that happened to Rabbi Goldstein. He put up his hand. <laughs> You put up your hands, a person puts up their hand to protect their face against a bullet. Um, come on, folks. <laughs> uh, yeah, does not work. It's not like a person can hold the bullet back with their hands. It was beyond miraculous. But at, at some point in that whole few seconds interaction, some, someone threw a chair at the murderer and distracted him for a few seconds so that then the, you know, people there, you know, the ex-army guard or whatever he was, you know, this Oscar, I think, was able to disarm him and attack him and all different kinds of things like that. Who threw the chair? This was in Poway. Who threw the chair at the evil murderer? The evil terrorist. Who threw the chair? They actually asked everybody in the show afterwards who it was that threw it. No one, everybody said, not me, not me. I don't know who threw the chair. Who threw the chair? Put that together with the fact that the Rebbe told Rabbi Goldstein's father, I will find a way to wander around in the halls of the Chabad house. I will be there wandering around. And when you need me, I'll be there. So who threw the chair? One of the things that we know that we focus on a lot when we come to 770 is the Rebbe's chair. Big emphasis on the Rebbe's chair. <coughs> and we look at the Rebbe's chair and we say, ah, Rebbe, chair. <coughs> Draw your own conclusion. 
We put a lot of emphasis on the Rebbe's Terror in 770 in Beis Rebbeinu. Beis Mashiach. Somebody threw a chair in the face of evil and disarmed the evil and no one knows who it was. And the Rebbe had told Rabbi Goldstein Sr., I will find a way to wander around in the, in the halls of the Chabad house. I will be there when you need me. Draw your own conclusions. So, so this idea that bequeathing the heritage, and by the way, this terrorist in Mashmai, in Pawe, that came after innocent Yidin, on Achrim Shapesa, on the Shia day, before Yisker. A woman came to say Yisker for the first time for her mother, and she became the person that they needed to say Yisker for within seconds. What's that about? So, what, what was the evil terrorist young kid raised, raised in colleges of America? Why are we Trump supporters? Because he took steps to change the tide of anti-Semitism in colleges of America. The other guy has no intention of doing that. It's not one of the things that interests him. If the colleges of America could produce such anti-Semitism, that's only the beginning. The colleges of America were being were moving in the direction of being anti-life, anti-humanity, anti-truth, anti-God. If you're anti-Jewish, you're anti-God, anti-life, anti-eternity, anti-Mashiach, all of that. So, and 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 the evil wants to attack Yaakov Avinu, who represents the eternity. Yaakov, the audacity of Yaakov to stand up for the truth and life and Hashem and eternity. And he wanted to end it right there on the spot, God forbid. So there you have a representative, the Rebbe Shliach, facing the deepest evil, as expressed by a kid from a college in America with an attitude, thanks to Mr. Obama, and this is Hillary Clinton. How did such a kid in America get to be that way? Hillary Clinton and and her and her ilk and and Barack Obama and his ilk supported it, encouraged it. So the kid simply went in the direction that the educational system was taking him. And it culminated in this scenario. So, so from all of this that I'm saying about Poway, what do we? We're, that was a that was a visual of the star being hand, handed this document, this bequeathing of the spiritual heritage from Avramavinu down to Yitzchak, and then siphoned off in the choice between Yitzchak and Esav to Yitzchak. And Esav was none too happy. 
Is Asaph willing to do what you have to do to be able to carry that heritage? No. But it didn't make him any happier that Yaakov had it. So you can do it. You can have it too if you're willing to carry the heritage. No, I don't want to carry the. I don't want to do what I have to do to carry the heritage, but I don't want you to have it. You, Yaakov. So, as Rabbi Weisberg said, we, the Jewish people, Yaakov was chosen, and Asaph hated us all these years for that. And now we've come to a point where Asaph says, parts of Asaph say, I was wrong. I need to change. It needs to change. Everything needs to change. So here's the question. How could Avram Avinu give Kolashevos everything that he had, every single thing, to somebody, to Eliezer, on whom there could be a question? So that means there was no question on Eliezer. He completely given over to Avram Avinu. He was not just a shadman. He was not just a matchmaker. He was a shliach. His whole existence is the existence of the one who sent him. And then there's one other question, which is more important. It's called the Klutzkasha. Are you allowed to give away everything? Was Avram Avinu halakhically allowed to give everything to Yitzchak? It says, Lo'edam lo'yachish adam, lo'yachid yachim kol nechetas. Lo'ayta kein oivrel adata kasasharu oimer, mi kolasharla, the lo' kolasharla. You're not allowed to give away everything that you own. And if you do it, you're going against what the Torah says. You're allowed to give a, among from everything that you own, not everything. You can keep 1%, but you, you can give away 99%, but not 100%. That's funny. Avram Avinu specifically gave away 100%. Okay. Well, you want to say, listen, he really needed to find the the right wife for Yitzchak, so he was just willing to give everything for it. Mm, well, he was very wealthy. 99.2% would have been enough to find a great girl. Can't say that that was the reason. Not only that, Avram Avinu was 140 years old, and later on he lived another 35 years, and um, I always do this part of a stick of tongue-in-cheek, he then married otherwise, and let's face it, wives want money. Especially if the husband is older, he's not planning, they're not planning to go on go-karting, horseback riding trips, or camping trips out in the wilderness, or anything like that. The husband is a little bit older. He is already 100, plus 100, over 140 years old, so at least a little money. If he's going to marry and have a wife, the wife is not going to, you know, be willing to live on a budget. That's just the way it is with wives. And so how could Avinu give away everything? Well, what are you going to do for your wife? Rely on your investments? You don't have any investments. You just gave away everything. Why? So spiritually, why would you give away everything to your son? And then economically. Well, you could say that Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram Hayrud is Yitzchak. Because I'll say that the face of Yitzchak was just like the face of Avram, because the Tzimit, they're one, they're one entity. 
Okay, but still, halakhically it has to fit. And here's the answer. The marriage of Yitzhak and Rivka, and that marriage was the first preparation for what it says in Tyra, for everything that would happen after that. This marriage, first the shidduch and then the marriage, is not just a marriage of a man and a woman, a butler and a girl. But it's the most fundamental marriage in all of Jewish history and all of history. It's the first marriage from which the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, come, are born after Brit Mila. Once Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu did have children, but before the Brit. Now that he was, he, he was unified with Hashem through a Brit Mila in a holy, holy covenant, which is totally, the children that he had after Brit Mila are entirely different from the ones he had before Brit Mila. That's why Yaakov Avinu is entirely different from, and Yitzchak is entirely different from Yishmael. Yishmael is wild, wild. I mean, so is Esau. But, you know, each time there would be the gen, um, every, the, there was some impurity injected, you know, from other Mauritian, from that relationship, down, 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 into Avram Avinu. And then, some of that impurity then was released into his children. But the impure part went into, into Yishmael, and the pure part went into, into, into Yitzchak. And then within Yitzchak, the impure part that was still left went into Esau, and the pure part went into Yaakov. So that's why we're B'nai Yaakov, we're the children of Yaakov. Because you're talking about total purity, and the impurity went to the other side. And hence, you know, all the battles that we've just been talking about. So again, this marriage that will produce these children, this marriage of of Yitzchak and Rivka, it's the first marriage after Brit Mila that then gives birth to the Jewish people. Um... It's called the, it's the marriage of Klal Yisrael. And it becomes the pivotal marriage until the end of generations. For all the generations. And that is why Avram Avinu had to give him everything, Kalashar like everything to his son. Because if it's an individual marriage, okay, you give some. But you're basically creating the the heritage, the eternal heritage of the Jewish people. Every drop of kayach that belongs to Avram Avinu has to be bequeathed to Yaakov. And I always use this example. It's like it's like the the puzzle. You see these puzzles that are online. They, they cost a thousand dollars. Many pieces, and it's a designer painting on the puzzle. $1,000 for puzzles. A year later, you go to a dollar store, and you see the same puzzle, but it's only a dollar. How did it devalue from $1,000 to a dollar? What's wrong with it? Did they leave it out in the rain? What's wrong with it? Very simple. One piece was missing. One. One piece of the puzzle. It was Many, 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 many pieces to this puzzle. But one piece got lost. 
The puzzle is virtually useless now. They can sell it at the dollar store. That's how much it devalues. So what we're saying is, when Avam Avinu begins the process of Geula, for it to start then and go all the way down through the generations, through Yitzchak and then through Yaakov Avinu and everything that we as the Jewish people have done for all the generations, culminating with full Geula, Geula Shlema, if he starts the process missing one piece, then we can never, ever, ever have Geula Shlema, full Geula. It will always be missing that one piece. And there's an infinite difference between a complete Geula for mankind forever, not just for the Jewish people, for mankind, versus an incomplete Geula. Incomplete Geula we could have already had 4,000 years ago. We didn't have to wait and be tortured 4,000 years, Rahman Islam, to, to, to still have an inco- incomplete Geula. The whole difference is it will be a complete Geula. Every piece will be included. To include every piece of reality, every person, every nation, every molecule of existence, you have to have it starting with every piece. Hence, Avram Medinu has to bequeath everything, every single piece, to the Son Yitzchak. And that's why um, he put it all into the, that was the standard procedure. Put it all into a document. Color Shalai, everything that I have, I bequeath to Yitzchak. I, I, I hand it to him from my hand, Avram Avinu's hand, to Yitzchak, in his hand. How? He didn't travel. Through my shliach, who is me, and I am him. It's as if I'm personally going there, stretching out my arms across thousands of miles, and my arm lengthens, and I hand it to Yitzchak myself. And this marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka came back to with the Kayach of Adam. And the Shidduch, this union, came through the Shliach, Eliezer. And that's why it had to happen, every piece. So now we know that Eliezer was not a Shachan, but rather he was part of the process through which every piece is included. Now, we have to ask ourselves the following. Who are we? We're Shluchim of Mashiach. He's giving us everything. Everything that he has, he's giving to us to do the job. We might feel that we really aren't that deserving of everything that Mashiach himself has. Probably true. But for the process to happen of Geula Shlema, and it's high time, we can't really wait any longer, it's getting crazier and crazier. For the process of Geula Shlema to happen, we need to be given every single molecule and fiber of Kayach, that Mashiach has. He needs to give us Kalash light, every piece. Every piece of the puzzle. You and I feel like we're vessels, we're fitting recipients for every single kayach that Mashiach himself has. No, of course we don't feel that. And his decision is not based on how great we are, 
but rather it's a top-heavy job. He is empowering us. He is simply giving us everything that he has. And the focus here is on the job getting done. And it can't get done any other way other than us getting being given everything. The Rebbe is giving everything to us, everything that he has now. And it's for us to not refuse it and say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm just a small person. Can't be a small person anymore. If you are the extension of the hand of, of, of Mashiach himself, of the beginning of, of Avram Avinu, who then hands it to, as we said, Yitzchak, who then hands it to Yaakov, who then hands it down the line to Meisherbin, who then eventually throughout the generations from one side to another, from one generation to the other. And they earned it through unspeakable Messiah Nefesh and Kiddush Hashem. And then eventually it's handed to Mashiach himself. It's not for us to say no. I'm too small a person and undeserving. Too late to be undeserving. We didn't think, we didn't ask you if you're deserving. We just asked you, we just said you're here now. There's nobody else but us chickens to do the job. So just take, take the package and don't say no. And that's what's happening now. And we'll, we're going to say one more one more little piece here. When we're talking about this marriage that creates these generations, the lineage of Am Yisrael, it says in the Torah at the end in Parshish Bracha, and the Alter Rebbe explains, that this marriage of Yitzchak and Rifta is an inyan achi kwali batayra, and an all say to her It is most, this marriage of Yitzchak and Rifta is not just a marriage to individuals, it's the most fundamental part of Tyra and of all of Seder Shasalim, of the whole, of all of existence. And it, and it has a name. It's a union. A marriage is a union. Remember we were talking at the beginning, we said, get used to the idea of union of opposites. It's a union. This marriage is called the Yichud of Man Ban. Ma is one aspect of Hashem. Ban is another aspect of Hashem. Ma is Hashem, Men Hei. Um, as he as he uh, manifests himself above nature, and Ban is as Hashem expresses himself down here in nature, and that's very saying it very basically, just because I don't really know anything more than the basics. Ma is the gematria of forty five, and we'll probably find you know in this whole election process and all of that somebody already mentioned some forty five things. 90 is 2 times 45. Tzaddik, by the way, we're now in Tavshin Pei Aleph. We're in the 80s. 57, 81. So we're in the decade of the 90s. Once you you started, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90. That's a package. The package before was 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80. That was another package before. We're now in the 90 package. We're in the nine, in, in the decade of the 90. Sadik. We're in the decade of the Sadik. You may not feel like a Sadik, but the Sadik is giving you his abilities so you can do things that said, you may not feel like a Sadik and probably aren't, but you get all these gifts that Sadiqim used to be just given to Sadiqim to do unbelievable things, and you got them now. 
and tzaddik, and 90 is twice 45. So we can understand that on the level of ma, Hashem expressing himself as men hey, it's two times 45. I just heard, I think, something, Rabbi Wolf, maybe before the election he was saying it looked like uh, Trump was going to be elected, something about 45, I, I, I'm making a challenge out of this, two times. He was going to be elected kind of two times. And I forget what the 45 was about, but I'll have to look it up. The aspect of Hashem called Ban is uh, Nun Beis 52. And all these cycles that we're learning are Tashin Nun Beis. 5752. That was the, we call them Nunalaf Nun Beis Down here in the world. This Yitzchak was from the world of Ma. Very deeply spiritual, pure, holy, never left the land of Israel, pure, pure carbon, perfect family. Rivka lived among gangsters in Haran. She herself was pure. But she lived in a really mafia world. It was the rose among thorns. She's from the world of Ban. These two individuals, this man and this woman, had to be married. Because this is a Jew. They had to give birth to us. We are deeply spiritual, holy beings living in a very mafia world, in a very gross, thuggish world. Which is why, by the way, since it's a very intensely thuggish world, we have to have a president that knows how to act like a thug. Who knows, like, in a very tough world of real tough cookies. We need a president who knows the world of tough cookies and knows the world of finances and knows all those and knows, knows, knows his stuff. He knows, he knows his opponents, but has made a decision not to join them in their, in, in their immoral decisions, but has made a decision to align himself with the principles of his brother Yaakov. That's the difference. When we look at the elections, we see they're both Asav. And they both have been in the world of finances and kind of know about big business and millions and billions of dollars. Right? We don't know how to negotiate billions of dollars. For them, it's just what they do. They know that world. But of the two candidates, one succumbs to the temptations of that world and the other one has come to a point where he's made a decision that he's done what he needed to do in that world. He's looking for something loftier now, which is to align himself with the righteousness of Yaakov. Coming through this marriage, Ma, pure, 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 pure. It unified with Ban, down here in this world where you've got to deal with money. And then this candidate, or this presidential candidate, says, we're going to bring Esau into the, we're, we're going to bring Yishmael into the equation. Yishmael was always a wild maniac. We're going to bring him into the equation. We're going to get everybody into this union. We're all finally going to give our Zayda, our grandfather, Avinavini, Nacha. We're finally going to say, we've been around long enough doing shady things. Time to accept the heritage that our grandfather Abraham has given us and start to live up to that moral code. 
Well, that's what this marriage is about. And so again, it's called the Yuchud of Man Ban, which it also brings with it, which brings with it the union of neshama and body of every yip, and the the fullness of the union of all yidden as souls and bodies with Hashem. So it's the union of Yisrael of God and the Jewish people, the union of the soul and the body, and the union of all upper and lower, higher and lower things, as it will be, as it began at Matan and will be in the full Geula Shlema. Okay, so to return to our topic, we're, we're saying this union, this marriage that will, that ultimately um, ends in the full geula. So we understand here is a marriage of two individuals who are not really individuals, just not just in that's Yitzchak and Rifta. They are general souls, and their marriage begins a process of a few thousand years, almost four thousand years of excuse me, of, of, of unions that are created by the, by the Jewish people, spiritual and physical, Hashem in the world, Hashem, even Hashem in us, and it culminates in the ultimate marriage between, of Hashem and us, called Gula Mitzvah Shreyman. That is the whole reason why we're here doing Tarim Mitzvah in this physical world. What are we doing when we're doing Tarim Mitzvah? It's called the Yichud of Manban. Hi, what's your name? Oh, my name is Aliza. Aliza, nice to meet you. So what do you do? Oh, I do the Yichud of Manban. Uh, okay. Oh, who's, who are you with? Yeah, this is my friend, and her name is, uh, you know, uh, whatever, Rifti. Rifti, huh, what do you do? Said, oh, I do the Yichud of Manban. Oh, my goodness, everybody went to the same school. That's all we do all day long. What do you do? I do the Yechud of Manban. I create the union of two energies of Hashem, as he is above the world and as he is in the world. Have you ever seen an example of it? Yeah, the wedding is Yitzchak and Rifka. Oh, wow, nice. So basically, I'm a Shadchan. Well, actually, all day long, I'm, crea- I- I'm a wedding planner. Hi, so Ricky, what do you do? I'm a wedding planner. Oh, that's so nice. Wow. Whose wedding is Yitzchak and Rifka? Right? Spiritual and physical. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, I actually, I plan, plan weddings in Manban together. Oh, that's, that's really nice. Okay, I think I have to leave now. Right? <laughs> that's it. That's what we do. We do the wedding of Manban. The Chiddush of Matan Taira is that then this Gezeira, this um, decree that separated Manban, separated spiritual and physical, was removed. Now you can have the union. The wedding of Manban. So, of course, in order to have that union of Manban at Matantaira, you first needed Yitzchak to marry Rifka. They did it in a microcosm, and then it became available for all of the Jewish people through this wedding of Matantaira. So that we could unify Ruchnias and Gashmir, spiritual and physical. So that the physical body can become something holy. Yitzchak was holy, lived in a holy environment. Rivka was holy, but lived in an unholy environment. 
the two were unified. The two merged. So that our body in a very gross grub world can merge with perfect holiness. And the completion of this yichud, this union of ban-ban, will be in the full ge'ula. When the feminine energy will rise to the top and be stronger and, super, and, and, and ascend to higher than the masculine energy. And that's why it explains in the Lakote Terra and um, why in Lakote Terra it, it speaks so much about the shlichus of Eliezer. Remember, we're going back and we're finishing with this. Eliezer is the one who creates this union, this marriage, this shidduch. And in the Torah, it speaks about it a lot. And he walked, and it was hot, and it was hot, and he had ten cam- many camels, and they were thirsty, and they were thirsty, and it was hot, and scratchy, and thirsty, and thirsty, and he carried it on and on and on and on. Enough. What's going on? And interesting, the marriage, do you hear anything about the marriage? The food is amazing. Oh my goodness, if you had seen the the, the flowers on the table, you just, nothing. It's interesting, and this is a huge point. Nothing. You don't hear about the marriage. You hear about the preparation for the marriage. The shidduch. How do you get these two together? The shliach does it, and we'll see that in the next audio. How do you get these two together? This girl, I mean, this is a shidduch that who would have even tried such a shidduch? Rivka lives in Padan Aram, outside of Ir, but with the Sul, Harami, Ravana Harami. They're bad. They are bad news. And so, and the shlichus of Eliezer was that he should go and take her out of that horrible place, like us, out of this horrible world, take, take her out of that horrible, corrupt place, and bring her up to be a fitting wife for Yitzchak, who is a perfect offering. Bring her from the level of Ban up to the level of Ma, to, to, to marry Yitzchak. In a way, they become one. They become, the Gashness, they become one, one person. They become one flesh. So that they should build a bias to Yisrael in this physical world. So that they should give birth to Toldos, literally to offspring and good deeds. Hayra. They should create the heritage of the Jewish people for their, all of the generations. So now we understand, and this is what we're, we're going to do more of tomorrow, is that it had to be specifically the Shliach who had to do this. But, you know what, let's leave that till tomorrow. We're going to end on this. What we just said in passing is a massive revolutionary point. You have a part of Tyra that goes on and on and on and on and on about the camels and hot and hot and camels and ten camels and he had bracelets and why? Why don't they just write about the wedding and the flowers at the wedding and the mashed potatoes? Why not? Why are they not? Why are they writing about the preparation for this wedding, not the wedding itself? You know why? Because the main event in all history is not the wedding. It's the preparation for the wedding. You know when the preparation for the wedding is? Now. You know who's preparing for the wedding? Us. You know who's preparing the whole world for the wedding? Us. 
So when will the main event, the most important, I wish I could live in the most important time in all of history. Then I would feel like I have something to do with my life. Well, here we are. This is the most important time in all of history. Chumash tells us. And it was hot and it was hot and the camels were tired and stretchy and furry and, and on and on and on. This is it. We are living in the most crucial point of all of history. This is it. But we must see the most important, at this moment, have somehow been given the gift of being the, the people who get to occupy that generation at the most important moment in all of history. It's nobody but us chickens. So then we'll end with this. Do we believe that after all that stuff we went through as the Jewish people, coming to this last, most crucial moment of all of history, that God will abandon us, God forbid, and say, well, throw you to the dogs, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. He's done all of this because he wants to win. He wants to get married. He wants to get to the wedding. He's tired. He learned the mimer so many times already. He knows it's Balpe. He knows it by heart. He knows the mind of the, he knows, he knows Samach to Samach inside out. That's our next project. He knows the Chathana Miner inside out. He knows it all. He wants the wedding. He made us the people, the Shluchim, who will get, re- get the world ready for the wedding. He's not going to abandon us, and he's not going to give us too much tough love anymore. He can't. We need to get to the wedding. He needs the wedding almost more than we do, and we're going to get there, and we're going to get there, please God, right away. And the month of Kislev is coming up. And tonight is Chapeh Cheshvan, when it's the second Dida Nasach. And surely we're going to have the victory of this, the victory of the forces of good over evil, the forces of truth over untruth. And we will say Dida Nasach. All the opposing forces evaporate. And Hashem won the war. And this is it. May it be that we should have, we should be in the Gula Mithi Kreshwina immediately now.